passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 171 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews for every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL. We've got preseason action. Even though I do think if you bet on a preseason NFL game, you're a crazy person. We're going to have NBA soon, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Possibly a little live tour. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device or desktop. Join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive 50% of your money on your first deposit. That's again, BLEAVE50 to get 50% on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts with that said episode 171 for the love of the game. Let's get this work for the Kings only. Right about now. <laughs> G Mix. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. That's Ho. right. They say you can't spell the West without the ES. Uh-huh. That's right. Real Kings, man. Right. Hey, yo, Jigga. Right. right now. I want you to take off on this track, man. Okay, like no. only you can. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Hold up. I wanna rock right now. My name is Hov and I can't shake the town. Me and your boys internationally known. But I'm from the hood, got a pocket full of stones. I used to cop raw bait, turn it into easy rock. Just to say Dougie Fresh, all that the easy rock. Used to chef way quam, give fiends a ghost face. Y'all know my forte, I guess my catch a dope case. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 171 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network. It's yours truly, Aaron Tobin has ATH back in the saddle, back behind the mic, and we are getting closer to football season. College football actually kicks off this weekend, week zero. We're going to talk about it with one of my longtime recurring guests, one of my favorite recurring guests. I think you can tell who it is, but we're going to talk with him about all things college football mainly the landscape. We're going to talk a little bit about the AP poll. We're going to get into that in a second. First, a couple of things. One, I don't really want to talk about the Yankees so much right now. They lost three or four of the Blue Jays over the weekend. They're trending downwards. They go into the Subway Series trending downwards. The Mets are the exact opposite. They're trending upwards. They found a way to win three or four this weekend. An impressive win yesterday. I'm actually going to be at the stadium tonight. We'll see what happens. I have very little faith. Max Scherzer against Domingo Herman tonight. We'll see what happens. But the big takeaway from this weekend was the Yankee fans 
booing Hal Steinbrenner. And it's time, because Hal Steinbrenner has been peddling shit for the last couple of years. And the Yankee fan is tired of it. We're tired of Brian Cashman. It's a relationship that has gone on way too long. The expiration date has come and gone. It's time for him to go. It's time for the analytics nerds in the front office to go. It's time for Aaron Boone to go. And you can't even blame all this on Aaron Boone because the hitters aren't hitting. The bullpen is a little rocky. The pitchers have pitched well for the most part. Garrett Cole had another blip this weekend, but whatever. But it's just stale. It's stale, and the Yankee fans are tired of it. So all... The good times in Yankee land from early on in the year are gone. And the Yankee fan is tired of it. And Hal Steinbrenner needs to hear it. Even on Paul O'Neill Day, I don't understand why Paul O'Neill's getting his numbers retired. He was a great Yankee, but a retired number should mean something. Whatever, we should have a little bit more, how do you say it, pride than what we're showing right now. But that's not a shot of Paul O'Neill. But he's not in the class of Derek Jeter, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. I think you can understand where I'm going with this. But to boo Al Steinbrenner was great. It was great to see because he needs to hear it. And honestly, it's time for him to sell the team. He's penny pinching, even though the Yankees make more money than anybody. And it's just, it's time. It's done. He needs a little bit more of his father in him. And he doesn't seem to have it. And we're tired of it. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the Subway Series. I'm curious to see what the makeup of the stadium is and how many Met fans are going to be in Yankee Stadium for these next two games. I mean, if the Yankees can somehow win one of these next two games against DeGrom or Scherzer, it'll be a miracle. Any Yankee fan would sign up for a split immediately. But we're not confident about it. We'll see what happens with them. Another team that's exceedingly frustrating right now is the New York Knicks. And again, I've been on record, whether it's on this podcast or on Twitter, I've said it multiple, multiple times. All the reports on what the offers are with this Donovan Mitchell trade with Utah are garbage. They're garbage. They're not true. Don't trust the reports. Don't put any value in them. Because I don't think any of the real conversations are getting leaked. However, I will say this, and this is based on a Shams tweet about the latest Knicks offer for Donovan Mitchell. And again, I don't believe that this is a real offer. I think that the Knicks are being, you know, negotiated against in the media, whatever. I'm just tired of the whole thing. But if Leon Rose had the gall to call Danny Ainge, and offer just Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, and two unprotected first-round picks, and the others just being swaps, then we're not in the Donovan Mitchell business. We're not. It's a slap in the face. That's a slap in the face offer. And I don't want to hear it from Knicks fans who said, oh, it's Leon Rose playing hardball. Enough. There's something called negotiating in good faith and being respectable. What has Leon Rose done over the last couple of years to make you think that he's just playing hardball and that he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers? The answer is nothing. So it's just Leon Rose being ridiculous. And again, I'm not even saying that that offer was made because the reporting, 
I think is all for show and negotiation in the public eye. But, but, if that was actually a trade request, then Leon Rose is that annoying-ass guy in your fantasy draft who sends garbage-ass trades, and you get tired of him, and you just ignore him. It's not a real offer. It's not a real offer. We'll see what happens with the Knicks also, but goodness gracious, if that's the offer, then Leon Rose is sleeping, and you're not in the Donovan Mitchell business. And that's fine, but just admit it then. That's all. Other uh, New York sports news for the Giants. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, first-round pick of the Giants, looks like he avoided a major knee injury after a dirty chop lock in yesterday's preseason game against the Bengals. Good to see him walk off the field. It's a sprained MCL, according to reports. You avoid disaster, even though the Giants, I think, are going to go 4-13. and going to be really bad. We're going to talk about them with uh, recurring guest Shia Elberger probably in the next week or two. It's good to see what they're building, it seems like. It seems like there's competency in this front office. It seems like this coaching staff has some type of competency. And for the Giants, if Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be as an impact player as he is, you want him on the field. You just want to see it. You want to see what's going on. So that's what the Giants. And one last thing before we get into recurring guest Jordan Marks to talk about college football. Fantasy football season is upon us. A lot of people have their drafts this week. I have my drafts this week. One quick tidbit. I know running back has been the crown jewel of fantasy football for a while. I know that that, you know, people build their drafts, whether it's auction or snake drafts around targeting running backs. And I'm here to tell you that that strategy is very much flawed, in my opinion. I think... Stephen Che, Barstool Sports' Stephen Che is onto something. Running backs get hurt way too much to spend tons of money in your auction on a running back or draft them high in your draft is a mistake. I personally would target top wide receivers first. Again, it all depends on where you slide out. But just in general, just be aware of the running back thing. And also know that quarterbacks, I know it's sexy not to take quarterbacks early. I mean, I'm in a two-quarterback league, so they're ultra valuable. You have to start two a week. But quarterbacks aren't sexy to take them early. If you go through every single year, quarterbacks rank, you know, highest in points per game. I think that matters in fantasy football. But anyway, that's a little fantasy tidbit. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a, fa- a real fantasy preview or not. But I just figured to give you guys a little taste with that. So we're going to bring on a recurring guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, to talk about college football and college sports in general in just a matter of moments. I teased it in the monologue. I had his brother on last week to talk about the Mets and F-Boy Island. This guy doesn't know what F-Boy Island's all about. It's a bit of a shame. But college football season, something I'm not – an expert in i understand it kicks off on saturday this weekend i understand correctly all right so we had to bring him back everybody's favorite college sports analyst mr jordan marks also a very proud met fan jordan what's going on bud how you doing i'm doing great i'm doing great college football on the horizon week zero coming up this weekend so it should be a lot of fun as we get into it let me ask you a quick question about the mets first for the series over the weekend how enormous was yesterday's game in terms of momentum going into the Subway Series that hopefully at the time of recording will actually take place tonight, given the weather forecast in New York? 
mean, it was huge. Yes, yesterday was awesome. I, I you know, I was on the, I'm a, I was on my way back home to the city from from upstate, and I, I started the game, and I was pretty, you know, down after like second, third inning, and then it was still on two and a half hours later. This is that was a back and forth game. It was awesome, and yeah, to get to get those wins without the ground or Scherzer on the mound was just absolutely massive uh, against a good Philly squad. So uh, this is this is going to be this is a big big series coming up. Obviously, just. More so for the for the city and the rivalry and how, and how much it, how awesome it was to get those wins in City Field a couple of weeks back, uh, but to, to come back and do it again with with Degrom and Scherzer on the mound. I mean, as a Yankee fan yourself, who's already pretty dejected, you should not feel great going into this series. No, I don't feel great, especially because uh, me and a friend shelled out for tickets for tonight's game and um, seeing Domingo Herman oppose. Max Scherzer doesn't make us feel tingly inside. I, I, I will say this for the Yankees. It, the pitching hasn't been the problem. It's been the hitting. But I don't want to talk about them anymore. I don't want to talk about them anymore because it's frustrating. But, yeah, for the Mets to get a win like that, roller coaster type win going into the Subway Series, especially in a game, a rare game when Edward Diaz did not have it. Like, he didn't have his best stuff but still gets the job done. That's pretty big stuff. All right, so on to college football. There's been a lot of news in college football, basically the landscape of college sports. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about it, the realignment that's going on. Obviously, we saw basically the death of the Pac-12 with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. And my question to you as a college football guy, college sports guy, is this good? Like, I understand what the dollars say. I I. I get it, but like, is this good for the college football fan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic here, right? Because you you, you say two things, you uh, or a bit of a dichotomy, right? A, we all understand that this is about flushing college athletics with bill, literally billions of dollars, right? But B, everyone understands this must be bad for the sport, right? Like, but then you think to yourself, well, if you're pumping something with cash. Does that doesn't it automatically make it inherently better? And then the truth is, this is really about two conferences, right? That are light years ahead of the rest of the country. 124 teams play in Division One FBS, right? That only leaves 32 teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, um, where you have 92 teams and all their fan bases and the hundreds of thousands of millions of people totally left behind. Yes, for me, this is a bad thing, obviously. What college football makes it so great is traditions, rivalry, all those things that have kept this sport together for over 100 years. With that being said, none of this is new, right? Um, UCF, USC and UCLA kind of, I guess, not even we're, – we're not even like the struggle that brings Connell's count back, but like when that happened, that was a moment that really shocked the whole system to me. Um, but this has been something that's been going on for two decades, right? Since the BCS was really born. Um, you know, we, this notion of, you know, regional consumers is so secondary to the national market, right? The execs at, at, at Fox, NBC, ESPN, what they really care about are their shareholders, right? They don't give a shit about Texas Tech, Boston College, Wazoo fans, right? They care about their shareholders and maximizing those margins. And yeah, I mean, it's capitalism. I don't know what you want me to tell you. 
No, and, and I get it, right? I mean, UCLA basically is crying poor that they're in debt up the wazoo. They get a chance to join the Big Ten, which is basically the Midwest. UCLA is in Los Angeles. So the logistics in terms of travel is a mess, but because it basically gives them a lifeline for you know, making tons of money and getting out of debt for when they spend frivolously, like it's just like rewarding people for bad behavior. I, I just don't know at what point is this too much? Yeah, and, and you know, football drives all of this. So travel for once a week is nothing, but right. when you're traveling for tennis, golf, baseball, gymnastics, I mean, name the countless other sports, basketball, when you have to go from UCLA to College Park, Maryland, you know, and then have to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah, all you know, three times in a week. Like, how, how does that work? You know, that they don't have the funds, but football is, again, pumping cash into the, the athletic department. So we'll see what happens with those sports down the road, too. Well, I mean, and, and I guess basketball pumps it in as well. I mean, those are the two revenue-generating sports um, in terms yeah, of – Yes, but basketball is so much less so. And, yeah. and, and NCAA tournament drives everything there, right? So that's, that's big, too. So with this move, with UCLA and USC being in the Big Ten now, is the Pac-12, like, officially dead? Like, Oregon and Washington, I guess, have had some type of success over the last couple of years, but is the Power Five now just a a Power Four? So, so, yeah, so you want to talk about the Pac and the ACC a little, and and where does this leave them? I mean, the Pac – the PAC has a media deal coming up, right? But I think what we're going to see with this media deal after the SEC just had a groundbreaking one and the Big Ten we just saw last week, $7 billion, okay, yeah. over seven years, a billion, that's insanity. Um, so the PAC has a deal coming up. And what we're going to see is that the Los Angeles market meant the world to that conference. Uh, you're going to see that the deal is not going to mean diddly shit to them you already see that i was gonna say who's who are they paying for uh, uh, usc that, was their marquee team who are they paying yeah, for i don't I, I, and no i think i think you're i think it is dead right because oregon and washington and stanford were getting sniffs from the big 10 but but just because just because that they had the academic requirements to potentially get into the big 10 it might it makes it makes kind of a fit sense um but with that being said they saw they looked at they talked to Fox and Fox is like, well, you know, the Portland metro area doesn't actually move markets for us, right? We already have Los Angeles. We don't need the Bay Area necessarily. It's not, it's not going to move anything football wise, especially because Stanford's program is not necessarily good. So um, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to go there. I think what's going to happen is um, I think you're going to have uh, potentially a Pac 12, Big 12 merger because I think that. They both are going to need it, right? Because the Big 12 is losing Texas and Oklahoma. So where does that leave them? Um, and then Besides I think, for Oklahoma State, who's the marquee program there? And they've only basically been relevant for the last six, seven years. Right. Yep, A&M left, Nebraska left. Like all, all those teams have already left. So it, it really is going to become irrelevant. I guess Baylor maybe. Kansas from a basketball standpoint, right? But then right. they'll probably try to get out too. And then you might see like the Mountain West pick up these teams, and then you don't. It's not even a power. It's a, not a power conference anymore. And then, and then you talk about the ACC, right? And and you know, 
for all intents and purposes, especially on this podcast, we view the ACC as a basketball conference. Um, Which but, it is. But it the, is. The, I mean, they the have dip. Miami, but it is a basketball conference. The, and the Clemson. ACC, right. Clemson, right? So the ACC doesn't have a deal coming up because what the ACC did um, about 20 years ago was they did a really long-term 30-year deal with ESPN. And if you see the words grant of rights like that, the ACC has a grant of rights, which essentially puts a shackle on every single member school where they have to you know, complete the contractual obligations. And if they leave the conference, well, then they're penalized with any dollar generated from a revenue standpoint to give a kickback to the ACC. So whoever is taking an ACC team, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC, you will have to pay for them to take them. So Maryland and Rutgers joined, um, I'm sorry, Maryland joined, right? Because from the ACC and the Big Ten paid for that. But that was pretty early on, right? That was, called, that was at least seven or eight years ago. Um, and now if you take Clemson, you are really paying, it could be $100, $150 million just to absorb Clemson. And from the SEC standpoint, what does that, does that really do it for you, right? Um, so, but why yeah. wouldn't the bit? Why wouldn't the Big Ten look at Duke and North Carolina and just be like, "Let's Again. go"? Why? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't the SEC look at Miami and Clemson and just be like, "All right, that's it." Right. So Miami is an interesting one, but again, that that grant of rights is expensive. So I don't know if they need that. The SEC has Florida already, right? And I don't know if, if Miami is the biggest market here to me. I don't, I don't think Clemson is should be in consideration. Um, North Carolina and Duke. Good fit for the Big Ten, um, but again, what what market is that really moving? Does Fox really need that? Um, it, it's just the craziest thing about BC is you think of a program like Clemson, and we'll get into Clemson's prospects this year and what Dabo has done with the program over the past decade. They generate a quarter of the revenue that a school like Vanderbilt or Northwestern generates. That is mind-boggling, right? That is mind-boggling. You don't even think about the Vanderbilt football program versus Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence and all the big right. names that come out from that institution. So it's crazy. At what point are we just going to get to an NFL-style model for college football? NFC, AFC, you got the Big Ten, you got the SEC. Those are your two conferences. Call it East-West, whatever the hell you want, and that, just be done with it. Yeah, I, I... – I mean, I, I know we're going to – it's got to be coming soon. I mean, it, it's it – How did we get here? I, I don't understand. How did we get here? Like, wh- where did this all come from? I really I, – I, I really – it started with the NFL, right? It, it all has to do with the NFL. How, how can you make a product that's that valuable? And I think that they're already there. I mean, the viewership, it doesn't even compare. The worst SEC game of the season – is still more watched than anything besides NFL games in the United States. So um, it's we're, we're there. I think you're going to start to see it from a recruiting standpoint. I think you're just going to start to see um, that the same teams are coming to the cream of the crop, and then they're going to change the playoff structure. And when they change the playoff structure, that's going to be a big thing. And the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be very gung-ho about it not being about winning your conference. It's going to be about – um, right. The actual polls and who are the best teams in the in the country. And that's the most important thing. They're going to they're going to justify and argue and be justified in their argument that a three to four loss SEC 
um, Big Ten team is way more superior than an undefeated pack or ACC team, or Notre Dame for that matter, who's not even aligned in a conference. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is another story, and they are going to get paid big time because Notre Dame worked out a hell of a deal with but they have their own TV deal where they're probably going to make $100 million a year easily. But And they'll never align to the ACC fully. Let me ask you a question. Um, moving topics for a second. NIL. All right. Obviously, given the numbers that are being thrown around, these kids need to be compensated, right? NILs come in basically where they can negotiate their own deals. They're kind of like Olympic athletes, which I like, but it's also kind of become the wild, wild west in a sense where it, you know, just the moving parts and no one really understands the rules yet. So I ask you this, has the NIL, which is a good thing, right? Because these kids should benefit off of their name, image, likeness, that they're driving revenue. They should be able to be, you know, make money as college students. But has the NIL, the way it's currently constituted, also brought sort of like, is it ruining college sports in a sense? Yeah, just for 20 minutes in and we haven't talked in football, you could just see how, how much in need the NCAA is of some sort of governance um but anyway in terms of nil but we've all but we hold on but we've always said that the ncaa isn't capable of doing it it's not it's not but this is yeah it's just the lack of any sort of you know co cooperation or collective is is really terrible so uh yeah i mean is nil hurting college football i don't think so i mean I don't think anything's really changed. I don't think NIL has changed anything. What, what I do think is that things that were under the table are now just being put out into the open, right? So like I said the word collective just now, but the, the word collective is a, a very popular thing, right? So this is, this is just a legal terminology for a bag men, right? So you, you, had, right. you had boosters dropping off bags of cash at recruit stores now you have a collective that's private equity backed or whatever it's right. So now you can see Phil Knight at Oregon offer someone money, right? John Ruiz at Miami, you know, the Spire Sports Organization at Tennessee. Like these are things that are offering six figure, seven figure deals. To do, a raising, do a raising Cane's commercial, uh, you know, for LSU and make yourself 150 grand. Right. 150 grand. So like, you know, for me, it's just that there's no you know, governance or organization. And that, that's, that's really the problem. So you have unhappy players in your locker room. You have coaches that not only have to recruit a freshman class, but now you have to recruit your players every single season, right? Because the transfer rules are, it's, it's the transfer portal is one of the craziest parts of this, right? You have to yeah. level set with every player in the locker room and say, um, hey, this player somehow deserves six figures, but you only deserve five how do you how do you even manage that? So yeah. it, it, it's almost like you need a GM who is just doing the NIL stuff, and then you have the coach who's coaching the team. Given the TV rep contracts that were just signed, I think the I think the Big Ten just got what ten billion or something like that. It's like close, close to, to seven, seven billion. Seven billion. Seven yeah. billion. At what point? Even on top of the NIL stuff, is the NCAA going to have to start paying the players something? Because it just looks like indentured servitude. 
for a lack of a better word. I, I don't even want to say that, but like, because they can earn, right? And and they are getting scholarship. They are getting certain things out of it. But, you know, when you see $7 billion for then the organization not to give them anything, it doesn't look great. Right. And again, I, I think you're a little bit away from that because you do need some sort of collective bargaining. And then, it, you know, everyone has to come to the table and kind of agree on, on what that even looks like. And then you're professionals. I, I do think that this whole real thing are related. I think that um, in terms of, you know, with the realignment becoming such a big part in those two leagues separating, the exposure is so much greater there, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be super unfair because those, whatever, 16 schools in each conference, so the 32 schools, are just going to be able to attract players and that's why so those big tv deals they're going to have the best exposure because they're on fox espn nbc all the streaming services attached to those where you know why would i go and play for iowa state when i'm playing against you know georgia southern when i could be go to nebraska in that same sphere and play against usc on prime time right so like it's 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 all inter interconnected and yeah it's it's going to be a big thing to, to watch for the years to come it's basically gonna be the minor leagues for the nfl they're essentially wow. professionals right like i just college sports is wild right now and the whole thing is absolutely wild and i i, I can't like you saw this coming but like I feel like it's really snowballed and gotten to a point, and and basketball in a sense is the same way, where it's just it's here a lot faster and a lot starker than anybody could have ever imagined. Yeah, I mean basketball is, is a little different because you have shorter rosters, right? And you know players can exit quickly, and but it's you're right. I mean, it, but the money the money is different in football, and that's the biggest thing. You know, to get it put an offensive line together. You, you need a minimum of $3 million to have a quality offensive line in one of these power conferences, which is just crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. All right. So that's a little bit about the, um, about college sports as a whole. I wanted to ask you about, so the AP poll going into week zero, we have Bama at one, OSU at two, Georgia three, Clemson four. These names are exceedingly similar. They've looked essentially the same for the last decade. Can you remember a time uh, that you've noticed where it's been this dominant for a handful of teams? Now, obviously we spoke about all the factors that go into that, right? Right. But still, it's essentially three to four of the same teams every single year. Like, do you remember an era like this before? I think you always had dynasties um, and you've always had some great coaches, but um, the lack of parity at the top is, is um, kind of crazy. Uh, And I I do think it has to do a lot with what everything we just spoke about, right. The money pumping through there, um, both people who were ready to jump into NIL before, like they were already doing it before and, and, and that whatnot. Um, And then, you know, Nick Saban's just really dominated the sport for the better part of 15 years. I, I don't know if there's a really good comp for what he's been doing. Um, no, Georgia, he's the best to ever do it, apparently. For sure. And Georgia, 
Georgia's been good for like four or five years, but they weren't really relevant prior to that. Um, you know, and I, I, st- I think Georgia's going to be, a, again, a snowball effect just from part of being in the SEC. Um, Ohio State, a machine, totally. You know, they've been running the Big Ten for 20 years, really. If you actually look back, um, obviously, Harbaugh stuck it to that little bitch boy last year. But, um, <laughs> but even that, even when Harbaugh crashes the party, yeah, it still it benefits right the conference and Ohio State benefits from it. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're going to be a total machine this year again. And, and, you know, you know, Clemson and we spoke about them, but you know, they're, they've been rocking under Dabo and uh, you know, I can see it falling off a bit and we'll probably talk to it, to that in a sec. We'll talk about the actual games, but you know, Clemson being part of the ACC, it just doesn't have that same exposure. So until something happens there, I, I do longer term, I'm a little concerned there. So before we get into that, obviously, I wanted to ask you about your Michigan Wolverines. They come in at the AP top 25, number eight. Had a great year last year. Uh, Didn't end necessarily the way you wanted it, but still great year last year. How excited for you, optimistic are you about the Michigan Wolverines this year? I'm really optimistic. Um, You know, last year, yeah, it ended on a sour note. You know, we weren't. We weren't even on the same field. Uh, we shouldn't have been on the same field as Georgia. Those players were, you know, they had what nine or ten players drafted in the NFL. Uh, it's it was it, they weren't even close to talent level. And I, you know, to be honest, I don't know if we are this year, but I do know we're gonna have an awesome offense. Um, you know, we have two great quarterbacks. Uh, we have great running backs. We have the best offensive line in the country, in my opinion, inclusive of Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Um, I really do think that, and and. You know the questions. The question really is: is is can the defense still be it still be great without you know Aiden Hutchinson, who we all know, um, and then I know Java, who is also an excellent pass rusher, um, who went high in the NFL draft. So I I, I don't know. Um, I do know that um, a lot of what the national landscape take on on Michigan is that we're going to have a down year because you know Harbaugh, you know went you know, with his ruse to the NFL again with the Vikings and didn't get the job. And then we lost both of our coordinators. And, you know, that's all the speak I'm from a national standpoint. But on the field, I mean, this team is, is, is hungry. They, they, really want to, they really want to do this again. They want to beat Ohio State again. And that's really what it all comes down to. So um, are they going to make the playoff? I don't know. They have to go to Columbus and, and play Ohio State. And Ohio State is pissed off and they're, and they're really good and they probably have the Heisman favorite on the um, at quarterback and CJ Stroud. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's a really good football team that should, should be at the top of the big 10 regardless. More so than Bryce young, CJ Stroud over Bryce. Young I, for the Heisman? You, you have to look at betting markets, but I, I would think just because CJ is going to have, he has the best wide receivers in the country. He has the best running back in the country. I do think that, because of the players around him, there's potential that Ohio State can have, that he'll have the numbers to be able to do that. And I also think there's sometimes like with the Heisman voters, they just want to share the award and give it to someone else. I don't know, two years in a row, unless he like really does something crazy. Right. I, I don't know. It's going to be close. Makes sense. Okay. So uh, you mentioned it a little bit before, but the top four team that you think could be poised for the most disappointment. 
you would say is Clemson, correct? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you know, I think the other three are, again, robots that are just bound for the college football playoff, uh, barring any injury issues. I just, you know, last year, DJU, because I can't, DJ Ugolale, I can't really Yeah, whatever his name is. Yeah. He wasn't. He, he was pretty inconsistent at times. I mean, he had pretty young skill position guys, and, and it was really hard. To, you know, he didn't really play that much, obviously, because Trevor Lawrence was a beast prior to that. Um, you know, his offensive line was injured quite a bit. Um, but this year, you know, he's coming back, and I, I don't know if he's a great quarterback. I do know that Cade Klubnik was the number one quarterback recruit uh, in the country, and he's behind him. So I think there's going to be definite pressure there. Um, you know, Will Shipley's back at running back and he was solid, but um, I, I definitely have concerns about Clemson. Compounding that is they have to go to Notre Dame and, and, and NC State. Um, with, so those are going to be really tough games. And then they have to travel to Wake as well. Um, and beyond that, they, they also lost their defensive coordinator, Brett Venables, who's head coach at Oklahoma now. So um, yes, Clemson is really talented. Obviously, they're a top five team in the country. They have a great defensive line, always have a good, you know, star-studded defensive front. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, out of those teams, I think I would probably go with Clemson just because at quarterback, I'm, I'm highly concerned about DJU uh, from what I saw last year. On the flip side, so a team in the 10 to 20 range that you think can crash the party at the end of this. Yeah. It's, these are so hard, and I'm probably gonna look stupid at the end of the year. It's, of course, but it's just like you know, it's 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 forecasting, you know, like yeah. like who who has a who has a case for sure. So uh, I'm gonna go with NC State. Um, I mean, this is a team that flies under the radar all throughout Dave Doran's um, career, and you know they just missed out on the AC championship last year. They went nine and three, but they returned 17 starters. And in this day and age, when the transfer portal is so popular, just to return that much talent on a, off a good team is, is huge. And then Devin Leary it was passed for 3,500 yards, 35 to 5 TD to interception ratio. And I really think he's a dark horse for the Heisman. Um, they have the best linebackers in the country. Um, they have an all-conference safety returning. It should be with, with a really good secondary. I think it's going to be a great defense. Um, and then they have to go to Clemson, but other than that, they should really be favored in every single game. So that's what, that's what I look for in a team that could potentially jump up from that 10 to 20 range into the playoff. It's funny you said that because you didn't just basically pick a SEC or Big Ten yeah. school. No, I mean, I, a lot of people have USC and, you know, Lincoln Riley coming to Hollywood and, you know, bringing his star quarterback, Caleb Williams, with him. And then they got huge transfers and Travis Dye from Oregon and Jordan Addison is the best wide receiver in the country from Pitt. Uh, a lot of people are picking USC, but, you know, this is a really young That offense. was where I thought you were going to go. It's logical. Like, Lincoln Riley has the pedigree. He's done yeah. it. And this, is a, this is a defense that I don't think is going to be able to get stops in college fields. And then, you know. Yeah, but he never got stops. Right. I know. I, I agree with you, but. They have to go to Notre Dame and they have to go to Utah. And Utah is going to be a really good football team that gets really physical and wants to pound your faces in. Um, and and then they have to play Fresno State. And I know like Fresno State doesn't have that much sex appeal, but Jay Kaner is a really good quarterback, and they're going to have to see them in week three. And Fresno State's going to put up points. So I think that's an interesting game to look out for early in the season. Two last questions. Um 
What's your favorite matchup for week zero this weekend? What are you looking well, at? We, sorry, so week zero, week zero is not um, week zero is only one, it's like only a few games, and there's nothing super sexy. So I don't have a week zero favorite matchup. Um, but week one, I have favorite matchups. So week one is the is the big weekend, right? So that's Labor Day weekend, and that that's something I'd rather talk about. I love the Georgia Oregon game, obviously, but Notre Dame Ohio State is definitely the game of the weekend. I mean that that should I mean, be awesome. those those are two top five teams. Yeah, so that that's a Saturday night uh, during Labor Day weekend um, should be really really should be an awesome game. Yeah, I, I know people are generally away Labor Day weekend and aren't like glued in front of their television. I feel like that game will do a big, big number regardless. Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Absolutely. That that's that's appointment television. And um yeah, no, it's it's I, I find college football, even though I don't watch it as much, I find it fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Oh, last question. Because I'm a Giants fan and the Giants are gonna be terrible this year. Uh, and we're going to be looking to draft a quarterback. Who am I looking at at the top of the draft in next year's NFL draft for quarterbacks? Um, I, I actually think it's a pretty strong quarterback. Uh, you know, you have Bryce and you have uh, CJ Stroud, who I think will be at the top of the draft. Um, they both have the ability to move outside the pocket. They, they're not, they don't have great size, either of them. Um, but you know, they're, are, they are just super productive blue chip guys from high school. So, you know, the pedigree is there. And then I think there's a guy who will be at the top of the draft in Will Levis. He's the quarterback for Kentucky. Um, and he was awesome last year and he's going to be awesome this year. He's got a big freaking arm and, um, he's going to be great. And I have no doubt that he's going to be an NFL prospect. Um, but really those are the three guys that I think you should look at you know, highlighted by CJ and Bryce. What about the, um, the guy, Caleb Williams, he isn't eligible yet. I don't, I don't think Caleb's done. I think he has one more year, I believe. All right. But no, the, the, these are the things I need to know about college football, because again, I, I root for a, a football team that has been a disaster for the better part of seven years and needs something to be excited about. So, so yeah, it's going to be, uh, it'll be a fun watch. I, I've told myself I'm going to monitor college football a little bit more seriously and, uh, going forward. And this year I'm really going to like, you know, dip my toes in the water and being, you know, real about it. Oh, last, last thing. Describe to everybody uh, this college football fantasy league that you're in. Because I find this wild. Yeah, no, it's I, – I thought it was more common, but I guess not. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a great league. Um, a couple of Big Ten buddies uh, spanning across Maryland, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan that all uh, – we're all in the league, and it's um, it's really – it's it, it's only the Power Five and Notre Dame, and you know we draft, you know, just like you do in the NFL. We have college players, and it's you know a lot of it's matchup related, right? Because you know early season cupcakes and late season cupcakes, and you want to. So the waiver wire is pretty active in the league, um, you know, and it's just it, for well, me. What, it's plat what platform are you using, or is it just basically manual no, Microsoft yeah. Excel? 
I wish, I wish it was that, but it's not. No, there is, there are platforms. We use something called FanTrax. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with it, but we used to use Yahoo, but then they, they got rid of it. I guess it wasn't, it wasn't as popular as I thought. Um, but, but listen, I, do I think that DFS and the gambling world is going to be more popular than ever? We didn't, we didn't have, at least in New York, we didn't have gambling in New York um, last season for college. So I, because I think it came around in February. So I think, you know, at least in New York, but um, I think that DFS and, and, you know, just gambling in general is just going to be so massive uh, around the states that did open up with DraftKings and FanDuel. So uh, it'll be interesting to see for the year to come for college football. Wild times in college football, wild times in college sports. Uh, the, the finances of it and the logistics of it, I, I find so much more fascinating considering like these are college kids, right? Like, at a certain level, like they're not professionals, but the way everything's going is like they kind of have to be treated like professionals. It's it's really crazy. Jordan, this was a pleasure, man. Um, obviously, we're going to discuss a whole bunch of topics throughout the uh, college football year. Maybe have you on to lament about the Jets if there's something to lament about considering that they are the New York Jets. And even though people like to bet they're over six and a half this year uh, – they tend to disappoint. It is what it is. The Mets coming down the stretch. Oh, one last, last, last thing. Are you disappointed in your New York Islanders offseason? Um, honestly, I hate to say, but I'm not as plugged in right now. So not I as plugged in right I now. It's all right. You, got, you, you have college football drafts that are spanning a week. The Mets are good <laughs> and, like, the World Series favorite. Like, you can't be focused on Lou Lamarillo <laughs> not making any moves. Like, I understand. Before you know it, it's going to be Champions Classic in the Garden, and we're going to be talking about college basketball once again. So there's a lot. Never stops. The world of sports never stops, and that's why we love it so much. Jordan, it was great to talk to you, bud. We'll speak again soon, and uh, thanks again for doing it on a Monday afternoon. All right. Take care, Aaron. Later. Thanks again to recurring guest Mr. Jordan Marks for coming on to enlighten me and enlighten the people about college football getting ready for week zero. That's episode 171 for the love of the game. Take us out, Snoop, Ho, no man. Keep that pack, that's right, the pack leader. When you see me in the street, you're like, damn, big dog. You know, ain't talking about shit. You the man, big dog. Yeah, we understand, big dog. See you making them moves, you got plans, big dog. You can tell them it's chestnut, check us, motherfucker. First nigga ask me, I'ma check a motherfucker. Check this out, check a boy, Louis V. From my head to my Feet looking, check a boy, me. What's up? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.